Welcome to the College Baseball Recruiting 101 podcast brought to you by Keep Playing Baseball. This is your host, Ethan Gavon, coming to you from Sacramento, California. Keep Playing Baseball is a registered 501c3 nonprofit organization dedicated to helping every high school baseball player navigate the recruiting process and play college baseball. At Keep Playing Baseball, we don't think money should dictate college baseball opportunity. And all our resources, including this podcast, are 100% free. No signups, no fees, no strings attached. We'll use the College Baseball Recruiting 101 podcast in many different ways, but the main point is to get you the information you need to keep playing baseball. We appreciate you tuning in to the best source of recruiting information on the go. We're picking up where we left off with Dimitri Kokoris, pitching coach at Point Loma Nazarene University in San Diego, California. Point Loma competes in the PacWest Conference of Division II Baseball. In our last episode with Coach K, we talked about pitching, training, and development. More specifically, how he develops pitchers throughout the course of the fall at Point Loma and what he's looking for out of high school players as they look to compete at the college level. In this episode, we shift our focus to recruiting, looking specifically at different levels of college baseball, how to find a college baseball fit, and what Coach K prefers in recruits. We're going to pick up right where we left off. If you haven't listened to episode one with Coach K, we suggest you do that, and we'll just jump in right from here. Now, now one of the things that's really interesting about your story is it includes you know, stops at programs in, in really different parts mm-hmm. of the country, right? So you've got the South, you've got the West Coast, yep. through West Coast, and then you have the Pacific Northwest. What are some oh, of yeah. the stylistic differences and philosophical differences that you see between college baseball and in those different regions that you've been in? Um, you, you start with the big picture, start with the SEC. The SEC is just, man, it's just strengthening. So what people don't understand on the West Coast is, is when you go to the Carolinas, when you walk around on the street, I'm six foot two twenty five, and on the West Coast, I'm a big man. I'm normally the largest guy in the room. I walk into a room and 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 I'm probably, if not the biggest guy, one of the bigger guys. Uh, on in the South, I'm six foot two twenty five. I'm like middle of the pack. Like I got guys I'm passing on the street all the time that are six three, two forty. You know, you got guys that are just they're just bigger, stronger human beings. And I don't know why that is, but what I do know is that's the way it is. And that, trans- and, and that translates to the baseball field as well. And that translates to the baseball wheel. So they are stronger. They, ha- they hit the ball further. They throw the ball harder. Uh, the ballparks out down there are smaller. Uh, the ball travel, it's warmer down there all, all year. So the ball is just going to travel further. And so the style of baseball down there, we call it Harvey Wallbank, is, you know, guys hit jacks down there, man. They hit a lot of them. We had like, it was something stupid. We had like my sophomore year, we had four guys over 20 jacks. At Carolina. Like, what? That was stupid. We had a first round catcher. We got a first baseman. Steve Pierce has been playing in the big leagues for like 10 years. Like, you know, we had a right fielder that was drafted four times and he would have been drafted a fifth time. High school twice out of JC, once out of Carolina Junior, but he would have been drafted a fifth time. But he was like, no, I don't want to get drafted. I want to join the military. You know, we had a center fielder that was a Cape Cod All Star. Like, we just we had special guys, smaller yards, the ball just traveled. So it's going to be more guerrilla baseball. West Coast, you've got more quote unquote true baseball fields. We're out here. It's you know three thirty down the line, three sixty five, three ten or four ten to center. And uh, you know not everybody can go yard one through nine. And like you really have to get it. You have to get you have to barrel the baseball up for it to go out. Like I remember guys at Carolina getting jammed on sliders and hitting three run jacks, and it was just like what? Like what's going on here? And so, like, you're not going to have those guys bunt, man. You're not going to steal. You're not going to give up that extra base because everybody's already in scoring position. So, you know, especially the Big West. I think the Big West is the best coached league uh, conference in the country as far as, like, the intricacies of baseball is concerned. Um, you know, hit and run, fake steal, fake steal drag, you know, different strategies of it, run and hit, like, just being aggressive on that stuff. Picking pitches. Dude, the West Coast, man. Picking pitches is an art. You chances are your your first base coach on the West Coast is is a savant at picking pitches. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's just one of those things that you have to spend a lot more time and practices working on. And so, and then you go to the Pac-12, which is like uh, it's a hybrid version. You have those athletes. Some of those teams have more athletes than than others. 
Uh, some of those teams, you know, have SEC caliber athletes one through nine. Other of them have a little bit more speed, a little bit more guile. And you've just kind of got a hybrid version of it. And so it was really interesting because, like, if you try to play Big West baseball in the SEC, you will finish in last place. It just won't work. And if you try to play SEC baseball in the Big West, you're not going to do very well. You're not going to do very well. All your pitches are going to be picked. Guys are going to swing. You, you know, you'll finish close to last. And it's just not going to work out. And so understanding where you are and understanding where you fit. And I think, you know, talking to athletes is like, know who you are. Know where you're going to be successful. What are you? If you're, a, if you're a slappy lefty, like, stay on the West Coast, dude. Your guy likes to hit the ball the other way and get on base and steal bases. Like, stay on the West Coast. Because there's not very many opportunities on the East Coast. Like, you've got a center field spot that you can win. And if you win that, you can be your slappy lefty. But if you're not that, you're not going to play. Versus West Coast, you know, open up. You can see those guys in center, left, right. You know, they hide those guys all over. They've got a little bit more value out here. How about the different levels? You've also coached at the junior college, the Division One, and Division Two level. What are some of the major differences that you see between those levels of college baseball that, you know, a recruit should know as he's considering his options and trying to peg exactly where he might be a good fit? So D1, D1's interesting. Uh, D1 is... He wants a business, man. You know, your coach has a back contract, um, you know, to perform. You get, you guys go to Omaha, you get on ESPN, you get all sorts of new gear because, you know, Nike or Rawlings or Wilson needs to see their new stuff on TV and show that stuff off. Your coaches are, you know, they sign contracts and your coach can get fired. Um, and so division one baseball, it's a business and it's put up or shut up. And there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of room for feelings. There's not as much room for feelings at the D one game. Um, if you get signed, guys, kids, recruits, guys, listen up. If you sign an 85% scholarship to a division one school, it's not a reward. It's an expectation. Love that. I mean, you, you sign 85% as a pitcher, you need to pitch in the weekends. And if you're not a weekend starter at the end of your sophomore year, or even your freshman year in some places, you're gone. Period. End of story. They don't care what your high school ERA was. It doesn't matter. And so, you know, it's an expectation. You get an 85% scholarship as a hitter. Like, you have to hit in the 3-4 hole, and you have to hit every day. And if you don't get that by the end of your sophomore year, you are gone. Your scholarship is gone. You can come back and walk on if you want, but you are not getting paid. And there's, and, and, there, and even if it's against the rules, per se, for the scholarship to disappear, when you're inside that, that business, that, that level of baseball, we know that there's different ways to work around that. And the thing you guys have to understand, guys, you know, everybody in the industry has to understand is that players and coaches at the D1 level, you play by the same rules, man. You don't realize it because it's like, oh, coach, coach took my scholarship. Well, guess what? Coach is in year three of a six-year deal and he's fired. They took his scholarship. <laughs> you know, you guys yeah. don't look at it that way. And so now when it's great, here's the other piece of it you get a lot more major league interest. You get a lot more big league interest. You, your, your opportunity to get drafted goes higher because, you know, the scouts want to be at the D1 games. It's, there's more talent there. Uh, when you're winning, you get to play on ESPN. You know what I mean? That dude that you hate from high school, he gets to watch you hit three hole and win a championship. You know, you get bragging rights over guys and it's, it's a great feeling and, and there's nothing like it. You know, going to Omaha, I've had the privilege of going there and it's, you know, with the team, and it's it's unbelievable, man. You're a celebrity. You're an absolute yeah. celebrity. People are hounding you for autographs. They know your name. They know your story. They know where you're from. They know your mom and dad's name. They know your girlfriend. They know where high school. Like it's it's unbelievable, and it, it's an unbelievable experience. And you you don't get that stardom at every level. Now that being said, eight teams go to Omaha every year, so that's you know you're taking a gamble. And so that's that's the D1 level, I would say, in a nutshell. You got way more facilities. You got you know. Your strength coach is, you know, a little bit more, I guess he should be more competent. Uh, you know, your trainers full time, stuff like that. You've got more amenities, nutrition bars. They, what do they call it? A fueling station on campus right. that helps you out with your nutritional program, stuff like that. So you have those amenities. But like, understand this. As I said before, and I'll say it again in a different manner, all those facilities, all those amenities, they come with an expectation attached. And so you've got to be ready for both sides of that. Everybody's just focused on the good. Well, I'm going to go in and I'm going to do great. Well, what if you suck? Are you ready for that? Are you ready for that? Like at South Carolina, we had 8,000 fans show up at every single uh, game. Every game, even when we weren't winning, they still showed up and they showed up to boo. 
Like yeah. we had a friend, we, Justin Smoke was a freshman. Justin Smoke, this is a major league all star. This is a switch hitting first baseman, six foot four, who's special. And he was like 0 for 15. And I remember his 16th at bat, he got up and the entire stands was booing him and saying to put in our JC backup in behind him because he sucked. And I was just like, oh, that's all right. Yeah, that's quite a reality check. This is the real deal. So, you know, there's there's the pros and cons of it, man. You know, there's both sides of it. Be, be ready for both. Now, luckily, Justin's the man. and You know, he was a three-year All-American, and you know, he's playing in the big leagues, and he's an all-star, and he's got a sweet contract. You know, he was tough enough to get through that and get ready for the, for the show, and, and that was great. But some guys just aren't – that's not what they want out of their college experience, and they're not ready. How about D2? How is that different than D2? D2 is – it's pure. It's for me. It's pure. It's just baseball, man. I mean, there's not a lot of I call them hidden missions. It's something I learned from Kenny Revisa, and it, it, he talks about there's your primary mission as a team, where you want to go in the box and you want to have a good at bat, and you want to make sure that you know you help your team out and be productive, or you want to be a competitive with every pitch. And those are your primary goals, and they're not going to change. And you want your team to win a conference championship, and you want to go to the World Series. Those are your primary goals. And when everybody's on the same page going forward, it's easy to achieve that. And at the D1 level, you've got hidden missions. Guys want to get drafted. Guys need this. Guys want to get that. Um, and it's you have to battle those hidden missions as a coaching staff and, and as a team in order to get to your overall mission of you know going to Omaha. Versus at the D2 level, there's no hidden missions. Those kids, like, guys get drafted. It's a bonus. Um, guys get drafted. Like, guys that are going to get drafted know who they are. Like, you know, there's a righty in our conference last year's 95, 97. Like, that guy's getting drafted. He did. Like, he was right. he was good. Um, you know, we had, our, like I said, our lefty freshman. Like, he's, you know, he went up, he got up to 88 to 90 and touched 91 from the left side. Like, that kid's going to get drafted. Doesn't matter where he plays. And so, but it's not like a hidden mission. That guy's better than everybody. So, everybody wants to see him as our Friday guy, as our number one. And so, you're more of a team. There's not a single day where I go to work or I go to, to the fields or I go to practice where my job's on the line. I get evaluated. Point Loma, we got awarded the number one Division II school as far as academic excellence is concerned, graduation percentage. And that's how I get evaluated. Do our guys graduate within five years of the diploma? And if our guys do that, I'm, I'm sweet. I'm great. And Because that's what's going to affect the majority of our guys' lives. And so as long as our guys are getting their stuff done in the classroom, which they do, they kill it. You know, practice, if a guy struggles in practice, or if a guy's struggling in a game, I can sit a kid down and be like, dude, are you okay? What's going on with you? Like, what's up? What, how, how you doing? What, what can we help you with? Uh, you know, what are you going through? How do, we, how do we get you to where you, I know you're capable of being? How, you know, and, and, and you get to work through adversity together. Versus D1 level, man, kid's struggling and he, there's an expectation on him. Coach is going to freak out a little bit because it's his job on the line too. It puts, it's a threat to that coach because now he's because that kid's not performing, he's threat. He he potentially could lose his job, and so it's a lot st more stressful practice situation. Where it's not just about you; it's about you and your coach. And so that D two level, it's a little bit. And there's it's a lot more about team. Like D two dugouts are a freaking party, man. They're a party. We had a chicken nugget sign in our dugout this year. And it was just, you know, it was something that we had amongst our team. Not going to talk about it too much, but it was just, it was a way that we celebrated. And so every time somebody scored a run, we'd have a big chicken nugget sign out on the field. And like guys, you know, we got turn up parties. We got, you know, for home runs, guy puts down a sack bunt. Our entire dugout empties and just high fives. We had toaster rallies, literally, where a guy had a toaster and was shaking it. And everyone's like, oh, the toaster's out. And like, just wow, guys are stringing it together. And it's college baseball at its best right there. That's my opinion, man. That's, you know, our guys had fun playing the game, you know, and it wasn't about me, which is hilarious because like, I'm a very emotional coach. Um, I, I, I compete pitch to pitch and out to out. But I, the reason that I do stuff like that is because I feel like behavioral patterns are best learned via observation. If you, if I want my guys to take ownership, I need to take ownership first. If I want my guys to be competitive, I have to be competitive on a day in and day out basis. So for me, I'm very emotional. I'm very loud, boisterous. I prepare my tail off for every single game. And the reason I do that is because I know our players will do the same. They'll see the way that I do that stuff, and it will help them. And you can get away with more of that stuff. You can be a much more emotional coach uh, during 
during a Division II season because it's not about perception. You know, it's about character. It's an old John Wooden saying is be more concerned about your character than your perception because your character is who you are. Your perception is what other people think. And so, like, you know, I, you know, in between the lines, like, I'm just myself, the best version of myself, most competitive version of myself, because I know that's what's going to help our kids see that and know that it's okay for them to be that too. They're not scared. Like, I'm not scared when I coach a game and I, I love having fun. But the reason I'm not scared and love having fun is because I truly believe you watched their pitching staff this year, man. Those guys got out of big situation. They were screaming. They were chest bumping their boys, you know, coming back into their dugouts. They were, you know, palms in the air. Let's go. Like big, big let's go team this year. Big emotional let's go team this year. And that's, you know, and I feel like a lot of that has to do with the fact that you're allowed to be that guy at this level. Right. And then, I was, so how does that, how is that different than junior college? In your junior, junior college is mercenaries, man. Whew, we talk, you talk about hidden missions. Every single guy at JC is trying to go to a four-year school. Every single guy. And how do you get to a four-year school? You have to play. You have to play. You have to be in the lineup. So JC guys bring it every day. So there's no practice. Uh, you know, there's not as many practice regulations in JC. There's, see, we have a 16-week fall when I was at Santa Barbara City College. 16-week yeah. fall. And there wasn't a single day where guys weren't hyper-competitive because they knew – this could be the day I could pass somebody on the depth chart, find myself in the lineup, and get to my dream school. And so it's, there's, it's got its own challenges because everyone's trying to get to their dream school and you have a lot of hidden missions. But with those challenges comes that hyper-competitive atmosphere and that attitude where if you can find a way into your starting lineup at a good JC in California, you're tough. Like You are tough. You are dealing with mental games. You are dealing with competitiveness you are dealing with you know you're you're beating out good players and finding a way like it's a very interesting atmosphere so like for me I didn't have to be nearly as emotional at the JC level because our players were so amped up and ready every single day you don't got to motivate that guy that guy shows up every day as a sophomore and knows if I don't play this could be the end of my baseball career and so you've got that level to it now the great thing about the JC level is there's that excitement of helping those guys continue their their career Getting those guys, seeing a guy put in the hard work and get from 83, 85 to 88 to 90, and now he gets to go to that school of his dreams that he never, that you know, he never thought was possible. And, yeah. and so you've got that. Now you're also, you know, academics is a little bit different. You, you get a different type of school of, of kid in there sometimes who maybe he is a Division One talent, but he couldn't go there because he, he didn't take care of his business academically. So you've got to find more creative ways to teach things because verbally just telling guys to do stuff doesn't always register right. so you've got to become a lot more creative but like it's jc routes a great way to go i think especially for guys that are young and underdeveloped and, and are still growing and still learning you know there's a lot of guys that i recruit their senior year they don't have an adam's apple well if you don't have an adam's apple that means your growth plates are still open the last thing to close yeah. up uh right before your growth plates close up and you stop growing is your adam's apple forms and so I'm looking at a guy who's not shaved and he doesn't have an Adam's apple. And I'm looking at him going, geez, this guy, you know, he's already 6'3". Like he could become 6'5". And once his, his Adam apple forms, now we're going to be able to put a ton of weight on this guy. And he's going to jump up from 82, 83 to 88 to 91 and go wherever he wants. That, that might be the only Adam's apple reference we get on this, <laughs> on this podcast in the history. <laughs> and I'm going to keep going to that. But, you know, and, and, and that's me being a competitor. Like, I want to know every advantage possible. I want to know how old the kid is. I want to know his age. I want to know when his family, you know, develops. I want to know how he handles adversity. I want to know how his parents got to where they were. I want to know, you know, I want to know everything about a kid. I love recruiting. I, lo I like people. I, I got lucky. I love people, man. I love the kids I coach on a day-in and day-out basis. I'm not lying, man. We finished the season this year. We had an unbelievable season. I think there was like 10 days where I was depressed because I lost my boys. You know, I, I didn't get to see my boys every day. And, and, and it was it was hard for me, man. But, like, even recruiting, every family that comes on campus, okay, they're, they're not going to come to Point Not every family is going to come to Point Loma, but they've got an unbelievable story. And there's a, there's a school and there's a place that's a fit for them. I'm genuinely invested in every single family that comes on campus. I want to get to know them. I want to know, why are you here? How did you get here? Because this is my – I honestly believe this. 
is it's about fit. And if we can find the right fit for every kid, like that's going to put them in the best position to be successful. So maybe Point Loma is not for that kid, but guess what? At the end of the tour, I can be like, look, you know, meet with their family, talk with them. Like, look, we're not in a position. This isn't something that we want to move forward for. But have you ever thought of going this route? Have you ever thought about doing this? Like, I think it's super important, the JC route. Like, JC route's dying, man. Not enough kids are going junior college. And, and, and that they don't understand the opportunities that they're missing out on of going, you know, to an elite D1 or getting more money, scholarship money, going the D, D2 level. And, and as opposed to kids having the courage of being able to go to JC and, and really fill out and develop, and now they, they can write the chicken. Or hell, guys, you can still get drafted out of a JC. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of reasons to get a junior college. You know, but it's also got to be the right fit. Or some guys, you know, especially at the Division three level, like some guys, like baseball's great and cool, but, dude, they want to be a dentist. Like, that's right. their thing. Or they want to be, you know, they want to be a firefighter. Like, that's their gig. And, like, baseball's cool and they want to play that, but, like, they're going to put most of their time into studying. And, and so that's a great level for them. Yeah, You know, D2 is a good balance. So you, dude, some guys' personalities are made for that D1 grind. They're made for that, you know, like, oh, coach is MFing me. So what? I don't care. It's just it's just because he cares. I'm going to take the information out of it, and I'm going to keep going forward. And it doesn't affect them. That guy's got to go, D1, you know? So I think that's a pretty good transition to, to kind of picking your brain in terms of recruiting. Um, and, and I'll tell the everyone listening to this, you know, find a coach in a program that has a mentality that you just talked about where you're trying to help a kid find a fit. You know, yeah. and that's just that's just absolute gold right there. Players if, and families, if you can find a program where coaches are truly invested in helping you find a fit, that's a great program you, for you if it fits. You got to have somebody along the way helping you with that stuff. It is 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 helping you find who you are and what your fit is. Here's one thing: I'll play a little devil's advocate to that. Some of the best guys that I've ever been around in my life, whether it's coaching or professional, are guys that have told me I can't do something. Because that's the way I'm wired. You tell me I can't do something, I'm going to show you wrong. I'm going to find a way. Like, guys told me, like, you can't coach college baseball. Like, you were manager in South Carolina your last two years. Like, I was like, yeah, so? And they're like, no, that's, you know, that, that's not it. And those guys got me out of bed every morning. They got me to read that extra article. They got me to push myself. And sometimes I did better with a coach who challenged me. Um, some, some guys do better with a coach that helps them a little bit more emotionally. Some guys do better with a coach that's a lot more technical. Maybe, you know, some guys do better with a coach that has a lot more mental strategy. Find out who you are. Find out who you are and then get somebody to help you find out what that fit is. Get somebody to really help you find out what level it fits. Because here's the dirty secret at D1s that I, I think D1s don't even realize themselves. D1s go after the best talent because they want the best players there because they think that's how they can win. But in all honesty, you're looking for the right fit because if you get a kid that's super talented but that place is the wrong fit, the kid's miserable, but guess what? You're not winning either because he's not very good. And now you got to cut him and go a different direction a couple years later versus taking a kid that's a little bit less talented, who's a better fit at your program. All of a sudden he flourishes. He has a great experience and you win more games and life's great. Like you, I, I want you to, I want you to run with that a little bit, right? So you, you've been at Fullerton, which is obviously a great yeah. program. You've been at Oregon, which is a great program. Yeah. And that South Carolina, it's a great program. For sure. I'm sure there's a little bit different kid at each of those. Programs. Yeah, can you, I'll go one. Can you elaborate on that I, I can bit? go one by one. Like Carolina was, you know, it's it's the South, man. It's there's a lot of pride. You have guys, you get first rounders at a high school in the South that show up to school because going to a school is important. Having a school that you attended the rest of your life, you're a Gamecock. You're a you know Roll Tide. Um, you know, heaven forbid you're a Clemson Tiger. Um, you know, <laughs> you know, which kills me right now because coach Lee's our head coach and he was our coach at Carolina and I love that guy I think he does a great job but um you know I you know where you go to school stays with you the rest of your life like there's grandparents that are you know they're decked out in their stuff on Saturdays when it's college football season like everybody packs up their stuff and they go watch the game you know it's it's like a religion out there so school is is different from that aspect and then the other thing out there is it's just a little bit more rigid from the standpoint of yes sir no sir um you know, I got the chance to work for Coach Tanner. I think he's unbelievable. That guy taught me more about winning in life um, than than anybody has. But, like, at the time when I was 18 to 22 years old, I needed somebody to tell me I was special. You know, great job. 
you did good today. Yeah. You did awesome. You that was that was really cool. And I was, you know, again, being a manager, like that's just the way my personality was built. Um, and I've grown out of that since then, thank goodness, because it's a terrible way to live your life. But it was the reality of the situation. When I did something good, I just needed a little bit, and it wasn't all the time, but at some point I just needed a little bit of recognition. Hey, you're working hard. You're doing a great job. Or, hey, the way that you handled that was great. And it wasn't like that down there. It was yes or no, sir. It was get your stuff done. If you do something right, that's the expectation. And, yeah. you know, that's just the way it was. Uh, there's a starch line between coaches and players. There, You know, there's no, you know, you really don't play that line. Um, now, that being said, you go to the West Coast, you go to Cal State Fullerton when Coach Horton's coaching there. Um, it's a lot more emotional. Coach Horton opened up every practice, and he told you exactly what was going on in his life with his family. He's like, oh, I got a granddaughter that's got a birthday today. It's a special time. Or, hey, you know, I got somebody, you know, I got I, you know, I, I got a grandparent. You know, my, my dad's sick today, and it's a tough time for me. So, you know, if you see me down emotionally, like, pick me up. And you're just like, dude, this guy, this guy's vulnerable. This guy cares about us. Uh, you know, you got a coach Vanderhook who's going to absolutely destroy you if you do something wrong. I mean, he is going to light you up, but he's destroying you because you're hurting the team. Now, that being said, when you're all done at the end of the day, Hookie's the same guy to, you know, give you the shirt off his back. He's the friend guy. I saw him light some kid up, like just absolutely light some kid up for just having the most unprepared, um, mentally unfocused bullpen of all time. And then after it was done, I was like, hey, you know, can you babysit my kids tonight? And I was just like, wait, what? What is going on here? Uh, but they, they were invested as, you know, on the West Coast and Fullerton, like, they invest in, like, Hookie invests in you as a person. And a lot of people don't understand that. But he will emotionally invest in each guy. Um, and that was unbelievable to see. Um, you know, up in Oregon, um, it, it was a different program. It was kind of that hybrid. You got your Pacific Northwest guy, so it's a little bit more fundamentally sound guy. It's a little bit more, you know, you are in the Pac-12, so it is a little bit more swaggier, but there's a little bit more of an emphasis put on just kind of doing the, the fundamental stuff right, fundamental stuff and stuff like that. And I think Pacific Northwest, that really kind of toughened me up as a person uh, because, you know, it, it was just about being progressive and, and, and continually to push and, and having new ideas. And they were very accepted up there. Like, that's where I first found way to balls. That's drive lines out of the Pacific Northwest. There's no... You know, there's, it's not a coincidence. So you've got more in, I think there's more innovation coming out of there and you've got people more willing to try different things up there. So you've got players that need to, that don't need like, like, like yes or no sir structure. Like a guy in the South who needs a yes or no sir structure. This is the way we do things because it's tradition. It's the way we've always done things and has that proof that they can go back on why they do stuff. You know, that's one way versus like a Pacific Northwest where it's like, I don't know, the old way sucks. Let's try something else. It could be better. And it's like, man, let's roll with it. You know, we don't, we don't have four or five national championships to look back on this. But you know what? This could be cool and it could work. And, you know, as far as the weight of ball stuff, the wrist weights and the, and the pitch uh, development stuff, like, I think there's a huge reason why, you know, a lot of that stuff's being taken over in the Pacific Northwest. People are more creative up there because guess what? You're also indoors three to four months out of the year. Right. And, like, understand that. Like, we would laugh all the time because at Oregon, we'd get a kid and he'd come up for his freshman year. And he at the end of the year, he'd be like, oh, I want to transfer because it rains here. And it's like, you didn't know it rained in Oregon? And they were like, oh, I just yeah. didn't realize it. And it was like, dude, and, you know, they've stopped recruiting that kid. They've stopped recruiting a kid that just needs the sunlight every day. They've gone more to a kid who understands the situations there and understands, you know, the reality of that. So, you know, kind of figure out who you are and what you are. Um, and, and what's the best What's the best way to figure out if the program's a fit? You have oh, me, man, talk to the players. You, <laughs> the current the current players talk to talk to players current players recent alumni um talk to players uh, because they will they will cut it to you straight man and and talk to both talk to guys that have both good and bad experiences uh don't just talk to guys with bad experiences or don't just talk to guys with good experience if you talk to a guy who's just like you and he's had a good experience that's probably a good indicator that it's a good fit but if you talk to a guy who's just like you and he's had a bad experience, and then you talk to a guy who's had a good experience and he's nothing like you, it's like, well, we go a different route, you know? So really just buckling down and doing your homework on the school. 100%. 100%. You guys, you know, your recruits, you guys got the internet, man. You know, connect with a guy on, on Twitter, DM him. You know what I mean? Reach out to him. Hey, how's your experience been? Hey, you know, you got some time. Uh, visit. That's one thing is, is we do some visits over the summer where we have guys and we tour on the campus, but we always want to bring those guys back in the fall when school's in session and they can stay overnight and they can meet the team. 
because like I have no idea what a kid's you know experience is really like and and I'm recruiting a kid so when I'm showing his family around and I'm showing him around of course I'm gonna make it sound like sunshine and rainbows you know what I mean I'm gonna be honest about the you know the things that aren't great there but you know are, are you gonna you're gonna highlight what you're gonna highlight what's hundred percent hundred percent I'm gonna emphasize that and so when you talk to a player, he's going to give you the bare bones, nuts and bolts experience. He's going to tell you what things are like. He's going to tell you the pros and the cons. I'll never forget. I was at one school in particular, and there was a kid that we had host a visit, and somebody asked him, hey, how's the coach? And he's like, hey, he's a dickhead. And I was like laughing, and I was like, oh, gosh, it's probably not the right person to have host a visit, but like, that's how the guy felt. And that's, you know, he wasn't wrong. Um, yeah. And so like, the the moral of that story is we never had that kid host another visit again. <laughs> but um, but it was you know they're gonna the, the players are gonna give you their you know their version of the truth and their experience. And again, don't just talk to one guy. Talk to a guy at your position who's had a good experience, and talk to a guy who's had a bad experience, and understand you know who which one do you relate to more as a person. So I'm gonna ask you this question and put you in the hot seat a little bit, and and maybe you don't want to answer this, and that's fine. Uh oh. But but what are what are questions that a recruit can ask you that really cut to the truth? Where you say, where you know, as a coach, you say, you know what? I wish you didn't ask that. Uh, ah, I'll t- I'll tell you right now. There's, here we go. There's no such question like that. Like any question a kid has is a good question, and I'm just gonna answer it straight up. Like. You don't run from that stuff. As a, Actually, I'll be completely honest with you. I wish kids would ask harder questions. I wish they would ask what was really on their mind. Because a lot of times kids are just so afraid to ask what they're really uh, thinking that they don't get the real answer. And so, like, my, my thing, it's almost the opposite. This, this is definitely going to disappoint you. But, like, if you think, if you have a certain perception of the school, don't keep that on your, away on your recruiting visit. Ask the coach that. Hey, you know, there's chapel at your school three times a week. What's the deal with that? Okay, let's talk about chapel. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You know, this is the way the chapel's set up. These are your requirements sometimes you have to go to. This is the way that worship's structured. These are the, you know, these are things. This is how it affects you on the field. This is how it affects you off the field. This is our players' experience. It's like, talk to me about that. You know what I mean? Um, you know, your throwing program, you do weighted balls. I heard those can hurt you. Yeah, <laughs> let's go. Let's run, baby. Ask it. Ask away. Yeah. Let's fire away. There's no question that scares me. There's no question out there that I don't want to hear because if it's a true thing that you're genuinely worried about and concerned about, let's get on the same page. And the other thing too is this, is what if that question reveals something where that kid's not a good fit for me? Don't you think I want to know that too? Yeah. Don't you think I want to know, okay, well, this is the way we do things. Like you have to, you know, we're going to start you off and you know, a four weeks of four on one indie session, you're going to be throwing bullpens and do this. Well, you know, coach, I don't believe in throwing bullpens. You know what? Maybe this isn't the place for you, man. Yeah. You know, because at some point you got to work on your trade off of the mound. And we had, you know, in our last episode, we had a coach say that, you know, basically there's no such thing as a bad question as long as you ask the question tactfully and appropriately. Yeah, be mindful. Don't make it aggressive and attacking. I heard weighted balls hurt arms, and you guys do weighted balls, so you hurt arms. It's like, come on, guy. (laughs) <laughs> you know what I mean? Sounds like you have plenty of information to refute that. Yeah, I can just tell. I think you could handle that. But question. the other thing is like, well, what's your experience been? How, where did you hear this? Like, what's going on? Let me help you out with this. Are you a guy that hurts? Yes. Weighted balls do hurt arms. Yeah. If you've got a bad delivery with a janky arm and you don't arm ramp to it and you've got your, you know, your arms swinging behind the acromial line and your scap never gets loaded and there's some forearm fly outs. Ooh, ooh, man, do not do pull downs three times a week. Because that's going to blow you up. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. like, don't. Yeah, that's going to hurt you because you're being an idiot. <laughs> and, and, but now, but they don't know that. They're not being an idiot. They're uneducated. And shoot, like, there was a point where I was uneducated until I asked the right questions. And so you've right. got to be patient with that. So, so my advice to recruits is the scariest, toughest questions, ask those. Ask those. Love that. Ask those. I love that. Cause, you know, it can be scary when you're. Well, the other thing, if you're a, if you're a player sitting across from a coach who you know holds a lot of weight in, in where you'll end up, you know it can be intimidating to ask those questions. But the truth is, you need to get that hundred percent and to figure out. Fit. And nine times out of ten, 
it's not as scary of a question as you think, guy. I've probably heard it a hundred times. Well, that's great. That's great information for guys to know. But okay, let's let's go with this. What are some of the biggest mistakes that you do see players make throughout the recruiting process? What what are some things that a player who's listening to this should try to avoid? <laughs> I man, I ask some pretty fun questions on visits to kids. I'm interviewing them too. So understand that, you know, your character is also being evaluated. Um, but mm-hmm. like, uh, one thing I'll say, and this is a, this is a general piece of advice from me to, to guys and the way that I would teach my son and coach my son is like, I'm going to ask you what you think of your high school coach. And, um, the reason I'm going to ask you what you think of your high school coach is I want to see the way you talk about him because I'm going to be your coach in six months potentially. And the way that you talk about your current, current coach is probably going to be the way that you're going to talk about me in six months. So when you get a kid's like, Oh, what do you think about your high school coach? <laughs> He doesn't know what he's doing. Da, 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 da. He screwed us out of winning playoff games. It's like, oh, this guy's a victim. He's blaming things on other people. This guy doesn't take responsibility for his team's, you know, work. Versus like, oh, what do you think your high school coach? You know, we had a tough season. We didn't finish the way that we wanted to. But, you know, I like my coach. You don't even have to say you like him. But, like, he showed up every day and, and he did what he could. And, uh, you know, we just we just didn't perform. So I wish you could do more. But, you know, whatever. It is what it is. And, you know, he's not the reason we're good or not. It's like, oh. So you you can read between the lines. I'm asking you trick questions to figure out, not trick questions, but I'm asking you questions to figure things out. Like I'm asking you life questions to figure out how you respond to things. You know what I mean? I'm not going to ask you, are you, do you take responsibility for your actions? Like what kid's going to be like, nah, coach, I blame everything on everybody around me, man. It's crazy. It's great. I feel great. Every day I wake up, I just blame other people. (laughs) No one's going to say that. So you kind of have to maneuver questions. So like, understand this is like, you're, you're being interviewed too. And like, yeah, be honest, like a hundred percent, you need to be honest, but also too, is like work on yourself. Make sure that you're, you're showing off the best version of yourself. When you go out there, make sure that you're being honest and genuine. And if you think your head coach is an idiot, that's fine. Tell me he's an idiot. You know what I mean? But like own it and stand next to it. And maybe we're not a place for you, but maybe you can go to a place with, with a, where a coach doesn't care what you think about him. You know what I mean? And things of that nature. So, like, you know, my, my advice for a kid is just be ready. Um, be ready for a two-way street. Like, you take a visit, like, we're trying to – I'm trying to interview you and analyze you just as much as you're trying to interview and analyze us. How about parents? Where do parents go wrong? <sighs> Usually go wrong in the process. Um, I'd say, again, not asking enough questions. I'd say not – two. okay, two things. One is, like, don't tell me – like, I shouldn't say this, but because this was funny. Um, don't tell me how good your kid is. That's my job. My, my job is to evaluate him athletically and, and whether he's a good baseball fit. If I like him, we're going to bring him on. If I don't, we won't. But it's my job to go to a baseball game and see, okay, is this kid athletic enough to play at our, our level? Does he have the tools that we need? You know, and if the answer is yes, then we're going to roll with it. But like nothing your dad says, like, oh, he threw a complete game last week and struck out 13 guys. And it's like, if, if it's against a good team, we already know that. Like we already know. And if it's something half the time, it's, you know, it's on his JV team and playing summer ball. That's like, who cares? But like right. parents ask questions financially. How are you guys going to make this? It's an investment, man. College is an investment. Ask questions about the education, the quality of the education. How is this going to help them after baseball? If player development is important to you, if you think your kid's going to play in the big leagues, which a lot of people will go on to play in the big leagues. And a lot of people should have goals of being big leaguers. Ask questions about that. Ask questions about the program. But, like, don't sell your kid. He's already on a visit. We know he's good. Like, you don't have to sell your kid. You know? Ask questions about yeah. ask questions about the process. Ask questions about the school. Ask questions that way, you know? Um, and, you know, another big one is um, previous players' success. Like, how, who at this kid's position has been successful in the past? That's a that. big one. Like proof, you need proof. You know what I mean? And sometimes, and I'll be honest, like young coaches are starting out. It's just like, I don't know, but I got a, I, I got a really good idea of how this thing's going to work. Yeah, sometimes you want to roll with that guy. Yeah, that's, and really all that information is out there for recruits and parents to, to find out. For sure. Whether it's asking coaches or doing your homework online, asking current or former players, all that information is available. For sure. And so, like, you know, um, don't, don't sell your kid, you know. The funniest thing in the world is like I had, we had one, we had one kid on campus and 
his dad looks at us in the middle of his visit. He goes, yeah, we watched the game today. And uh, I think your two catchers are terrible. And I have a, a son at another JC and he's way better than anybody you ran out there. And I'm looking at this guy and, and the, and the kid was awesome. The kid's like, dad, shut up. Like, don't tell them how to do their job. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this kid's great. Well, you want to know the funny thing is that kid that he was talking about his other son. Yeah, he's committed to Auburn now. <laughs> so maybe he was better, <laughs> but, but it didn't matter. It didn't matter that he told us that, you know what I mean? Like we don't, don't yeah. sell them. Give the information that's asked, but don't get, get don't information don't, for you. Don't push this. Yeah. Stats. Who cares what we think? You know what I mean? Do yeah. your thing. Find out your information that's pertinent to find out if that school's a fit for your son and your family. So what are some of the qualities that you are looking for, either from a skill perspective or, uh, you know, a character perspective? What are some of the things that you're really trying to see? I mean, I'm in love with kids that want to get better. I'm in love with kids that where the game matters and they're trying to be a part of something bigger than themselves. They want to win because I know and a lot of this has to do with where I'm at. Um, if you're if you don't want to be a part of something bigger than yourself, whether that's on the field or even off the field. You know, we're probably not going to be a very good fit for you. But I want to know, you know, when a player shows up every day, is he trying to win a championship? How's he going to help us win a championship day in and day out? That's what I want to know. Um, you know, competitiveness. How much does this matter to you? You know, somebody asked me this the other day. They're like, what are you looking for in a pitcher? I'm like, dude, the guy's got to hate giving up runs, man. He's got to hate giving up runs, and he has to be in love with winning. And somebody was like, oh, what's the alternative? You know, like, you know. Uh, love giving up runs and, 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 and like losing. I'm like, no, but there's certain priorities. Some kids are like, they don't like giving up runs. And there's some kids that hate giving up runs. There's a difference. Um, so are you actually looking for that visceral reaction as they're no, performing? Or? No, I'm just looking for conversations. Like, because some of your best guys are stoic. There's guys that are super stoic that, you know, hate giving up runs. And you can just have a, comp- a conversation with them afterwards, and they're just bothered by it, man. They're just they they're just bothered by it. It's funny we talk about all the time in the mental game, like get to the next pitch, get to the next pitch. But there's a certain time where it's like, screw the next pitch. You just got your butt kicked. Do something about it. Go train. Go get better. Like I don't want you. You gave up eight runs in a third of an inning. Who cares about the next pitch? Fix this pitch. Fix the last pitch. Like let that thing sit with you for a while. Let that thing bug you. Let that thing piss you off. Let that and then use that as fuel and motivation to go train and get better and make sure that that never, ever happens again. And, and so like, that's another thing. Like I'm an emotional guy. Like I said, our pitching staff was pretty emotional this year. Like if they give up runs, like I'm okay with guys screaming into their glove and stuff. As long as on the mound, on the mound, it helps them get to their next pit. Now off the mound, when they have a good outing, sweet, learn from it, move on. Probably not going to learn from it because you had a good time. But off the mound, if you have a bad outing, let that thing linger. But on the mound, if you know, if I gotta have a guy, you know, screaming his love to get to the next pitch, I'm okay with it as long as he performs. As long as he can bring it back. As long in. as he can execute, hundred percent. The the thing that I hate is the, you know, an error is made behind a guy or he walks a guy ball four and the first pitch to the next batter, he throws it as hard as he can, and now he's down one sick, dude. Sweet. You hit eighty seven. Wow. It's one oh. And now you've shown that guy is the best bolt you know, up in the zone, which is going to speed a guy's bat up. So now you take something off at 85, you don't hit your spot. And guess what? Now you've compounded that because you gave that guy count leverage. I mean, what you're talking about here is, is really about the mental game. And I think we'd be remiss if we didn't bring up the fact that you were uh, under Ken Revisa, oh, the late, the late Ken Revisa's tutelage, yeah. you know, and, and we had an opportunity to meet him at the ABCA oh. convention and just a, a really special guy and had the, ability to make you feel important even oh, if you didn't know who you were 100 because he cared because he cared something that kenny you know instilled in me that you know that i think i genuinely had any he the last time we talked at the abc convention he confirmed it he's like you know is kenny every single guy that talked to kenny cared he cared about it. he literally cared about where that person was in life what their journey was and what was going on and you know i had that conversation with him too because i was talking about being an emotional coach with him and i'm just like you know, I want to make sure that it's about the players and it's not about me. And Ken looks at me, he goes, D, he goes, you've always known that. He goes, ever since day one of coaching, you've known that it's about the players. You've known that. And to hear that from him was just like, oh, that's amazing. Yeah. And I think, you know, for me, that's why I have such a strong connection with, with my guys is because, like, I genuinely want to see these guys do well. Now, baseball is a hard game. It's going to kick your butt. And, you know, it's going to make sure that uh, it's going to make sure that you fail. 
Now, I can't have that emotional connection where I don't want them to experience pain. Pain is very important. Pain is part of the process. And dealing with pain and, and progressing with pain is, is very big. And so, like, um, but, but having that emotional connection, making sure it's about those guys, and that's something that Kenny had. And that's something that I learned it's okay to do is, is be emotional, uh, especially coming from that South atmosphere, being in the South of South Carolina, where, you know, you don't show emotion, you don't show that stuff. And realizing I'm not a South guy. I'm a West Coast guy, man. I was born and raised in, you know, Pasadena, you know. I'm going to hug my players and tell them I love them. I'm going to cry, you know, once a year, at least in front of our guys, if they're doing things the right way. And, and, you know, and it's going to be, sometimes it's going to be out of frustration and anger. Sometimes it's going to be out of pride. Sometimes because I'm so proud of the job that they've been doing, Um, you know, but like, I'm not afraid to show that emotion. That's great. Yeah. And so, you know, other little things that Kenny taught, you know, like getting to the next pitch, playing the game one pitch at a time, being process oriented, defining your process and then sticking with it. Um, compete so so important in, in everything that you competing do. it's not about winning or losing it's not about the process it's about did you compete and like that's a deep one that 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 one's still going on but you know did you compete did you go out there and try to you know and give it everything and find a way pitch after pitch after pitch because if you did that you can live with the result now now if you lost you can grow and you can get better you can learn from it and if you won you know that's what the game's about but it's not about winning. It's not about losing. It's not about the process. It's not about the road. It's about competing, going out there and putting your balls out on the line and going after it. You've given us a ton <laughs> yeah. of great information. I mean, recruits and parents can listen to this and re-listen to this and keep pulling information out of this. There is one question that we ask everyone sure. who comes on here and has to do with kind of our process, which is providing information for you know high school players who are looking to play at the next <laughs> level. And so if, if you have a ninth grader who's listening to this podcast and they want to play college baseball, what's your best piece of advice for how they can go through the process and try and make it to the next level successfully? Uh, be in love with the game. Be in love with the game of baseball. Um, too many guys are, man, they don't play the game. Uh, you go to a lot of, a lot of these showcases and, and guys are, now they hit 93, but they don't hit 93 to get a guy out. They hit 93 to get to the next level. And guess what? Yeah, you hit 93, you're looking at a showcase, but like, you don't know how to get out. You don't know how to get out. So like, play this game every day and give it everything that you've got. And you know, in high school, you're not going to have as much to give as you will when you're in college or, you know, your freshman year versus your sophomore year. Some guys just don't, you know, you have to mature and you're not going to have as much to give, but whatever you have that day, learn and get better and really like find a way to win, become a better baseball player that day. Whether it's lifting, whether it's throwing, whether it's, you know, a bullpen, whether it's a scrimmage, whether it's a game and, and executing, but play the game and get great at the game. Because here's the other thing too, man. Tomorrow's not promised. Yeah. Some, nothing's, guaranteed. nothing's guaranteed. So like the guys that do the best in this league, like you look at a Derek Jeter, you look at a Mike Trout, the things that people say about those two guys are they're uber, they just want to win now. Like Derek Jeter and BP, he was always having, he had a defensive game going on against somebody. He was trying to kick their butt. You know, they talk about Mike Trout. He had like a home out in Huntington Beach. Um, and they said when he was done uh, living at that house, like they used to have those little, uh, those, those like Segway scooters like around the house. You know, those people mover deals where you, you stand on them. It's got mm-hmm. the two wheels. Yeah. They used to set up obstacle courses in the house and he used to just try to beat people at it. You know, they'd go out, they'd wake <laughs> up at like 630 in the morning and go body surfing and, you know, they just try to beat each other at it. You know, they're just trying to win in the moment. They're just trying to compete in the moment. And if you compete in the moment, and this is something going back to what Kenny, Ken Revisa always says, he goes, you know, today plus today plus today plus today plus today plus today equals your career. That's your career. So win today. Be great today. You know, compete your tail off today. And if, and if you're able to do that, whatever happens at the end of your four years of college, you're going to be able to live with your four years of high school, wherever you end up, that's where you're supposed to go. Now, obviously, if you didn't end up where you were supposed to, where you thought you were supposed to, you're going to look back and be like, well, if I would have done this different. And it's like, well, sure. You know what I mean? Every, everyone's got 2015 vision in hindsight. Right. But, you know, in, in the process, you literally did everything that you ca- thought you could on a day in and day out basis. And I was talking with one of our seniors who was just the emotional leader of our team this year. He was our number two. At, he started for us for four years at Point Loma. And as a senior, he finally won a conference for us. But it wasn't about that. It was about just putting everything he had, and he left his stamp on our program. And I remember we sat there that draft day. It was day three of the draft, and he didn't get drafted. Um, and he looks at me, and he goes, you know, we, we you know, ended up going out and walking around. And he looks at me, and he goes, I 
can say that I did everything. He says, I, there's like, I, for four years, I gave this game everything I had. He goes, I want, you know, he wants to drive line to train for a summer. He, you know, did different diets. One year he bulked. The, the next year he ended up gaining flexibility, mobility in certain areas and, and, and really slimmed down and, and, and was more athletic. He synced his body up. Like he literally put everything, his heart and soul, day in and day out to the team. And he gave everything. And even though he didn't get drafted, which in my opinion, he should have. Um, but even though he didn't get drafted, at the end of the day, he, his process was unbelievable. He competed day in and day out. And nobody can ever take that away from him. And he honestly has made the Point Loma Nazarene University baseball program better because of his existence in it. We're going to go off. We're going to win a World Series. We're going to win a championship. We're going to win a conference championship. And we're going to you know, win a World Series at some point. And even though he's not on the team that wins the World Series, if it wasn't for him and the way that he went about it on a day in and day out basis, we he's part of that stepping stone group. And yeah. so, and there's guys like that at every program. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Be that guy. That's my thing. Be that guy. Leave no doubt. Be that. Be that guy who cares and who's passionate and gives it everything he's got on a day in and day out basis. That's you know that's great advice for us to close out on. And as much as we got to during this podcast, I think we're probably going to have to have you back as we Let's left. Do it. We left some meat on the bones <laughs> to talk about development during the spring and, sure. and some recruiting stuff. Sure. But again, man, uh, just an incredible source of information, and your your passion really comes through, and that's yeah. special. Reach so. out. I've got uh, I've got the Twitter page, Coach. I think it's like at Coach Kakoris is my handle. I don't know. Do you know what that is? We'll definitely put it in the notes and make sure that you're easy to get. Stick a hold it in the of. notes. Got I got my email address, dkakoris at pointloma dot edu. Like, shoot me an email. Uh, reach out on Twitter. You know, give me a follow. Shoot me a DM. Like, you know, I just want to hear from guys parents, players, other coaches, other coaches. I, like, I need you guys a lot. Like, pitching coaches out there, we're all on the same team, man. We ain't fighting against each other. We're, we're fighting against the human body, and we're fighting against, you know, how to help our guys day in and day out. So so anybody who's, you know, please follow me. Give me, you know, shoot me a message, and, like, I'll have more questions for you than you will have for me. And I love what you're doing to try and push the game along and the fact that, you know, you're not just in it for yourself. You're really trying to get good information to people and make things better and help people find their fit. So 100%. that's that's 100% in line with what we're all about here at Keep Playing Baseball. And we definitely look forward to having you back as a, as a guest another time. Sweet. Looking forward to it as well. Thank you very much for giving the opportunity to share. Yeah, thanks, Coach K. Thanks for tuning in to College Baseball Recruiting 101 podcast brought to you by Keep Playing Baseball. As always, if you need more information on the college baseball recruiting process or what it takes to play college baseball, you can find that for free on our website, www.keepplayingbaseball.org. You can also track us down on our social media accounts. That's Twitter, at KeepPlayingBB, Facebook, KeepPlayingBaseball, and Instagram, uh, handle at KeepPlayingBaseball. That's it for this episode. We look forward to catching you next time. Until then, take care.